Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Alderson, the Victor Order of the podcast. I paid how much for Brendan Aronson, and I'm joined today by the Victor Order of the podcast, Dan Holdsworth. You're going to pay how much for Weston McKenney? And finally, the Victor Order of the podcast himself... The Builder Premier League Squad Challenge level impossible is Martin Riley. Martin, how are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've had a productive day. I wasn't working, but I fixed my PlayStation Five. Um, it's had a disc stuck in it for a while, and also a build-up of dust. So I took it all apart and re-put it back together, and it all worked perfectly. So I'm feeling quite accomplished. And I've also had a nice curry, which I, I made myself. So yeah, today's a good day. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad apart from I wasted my day on Saturday going to London to watch some rubbish football. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, like like yourself, I've had some. I had a nice tea. I had some chicken uh, with some potatoes and uh, had a corn on the cob as well. So it was it was very good. But um, Dan, you've got to tell us about your food. That's that's the rule now. Um, yeah, it's, well, it's chicken curry for me tonight, but it was a um, from a jar, I'm afraid. So not particularly good. It was fine. How are you doing anyway, though? Apart from that, um, well. I'm doing okay. I'm doing a lot better than my football team, so that's good. And otherwise, I'm great, mate. I'm looking forward to chatting about Leeds United tonight. Good stuff. Yeah, just to go back to my weekend, it wasn't a complete waste my trip to London because I did see Joe Hill, um, who was or is still shockingly tall, despite the fact that I've met him before, and I'm six foot three. So that's that can tell you how much uh, how tall Joe Hill is. But yeah, it was nice to see him, and hopefully, we can actually try and get him on a podcast because he did seem keen when I spoke to him. So Joe, if you're listening, get on. We, we want you on, mate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right. So, unfortunately, now we've got to talk about that turgid mess that we all watched on Saturday. So, uh, I'll start with the game summary. So, the first half was a pretty forgettable affair overall. Both teams were unable to create any big chances, and by the end of the first half, there were only three on uh, on target shots. With the best of these for Leeds being a Mark Rocker free kick, which Leno just kept out. The second half threatened to go in a similar way until the 58th minute when William floated in the cross which Melier got a hand to but palmed it, it at the feet of Harry Wilson who powered a shot home which clipped the crossbar on its way in. Lees tried to attack with more gusto but still couldn't really do much around the opposite, opponent's box. 
And then in the 72nd minute, Fulham hit Lees in transition. Pereira played the ball wide to Robinson, who fisted across, which again, Melier tried to keep out, but palmed it away to the feet of Pereira, who tapped it in from close range. Lees again continued to push for a goal, despite being a, despite being unable to create in open play, they managed to score via scrappy set piece, in which Bamford had a shot which deflected off Paulinia to go into the net. Despite some late pressure from Leeds, the game ended 2-1, with Leeds not creating any good chances from open play throughout the game. Anything you guys want to add, or should we move on to the interrogation? I think we can move on from the game somewhere, yeah. That's pretty fair. Yep, Agreed. good stuff. Okay, so uh, this is the interrogation, so I'll ask the guys a few questions each, just so we can get into the nitty-gritty of what went on on Saturday and work out why Leeds are as bad as they currently are. So, I will come to you on this one first, Dan. For most of the game, we limited Fulham to set-piece chances. Did the new-look defence of Christensen, Cock, Cooper and Werber make a difference, or was it Fulham who didn't ask the right questions? I mean, there's always a bit of both in these answers, isn't there? But I do think the defence was pretty good. Generally speaking, I like the shape that they had. I like this general lead shape. I liked it. They appeared to be a lot of good communication with them, so Cooper being quite aggressive defender and stepping out of line, you know, Wobe would shift across and cover the gap and vice versa. I, you know, I, I kind of felt like it was um, it was pretty good. I think also an important factor in that, I think Rocker um, held his position a lot more in front of them, did more of a shielding role than we saw, like, say, against uh, against Liverpool when he was just wandering off, you know, and leaving masses of uh, space in front of the defence. So I think, generally speaking, we had a better shape and more protection for the back line. I thought the, the wingers tracked back fairly well and covered and provided kind of wing-back type cover in, in, in occasions. Um, even McKenney, I mean, despite despite <laughs> despite um, his overall performance, I actually think McKenney worked hard and tracked back and covered and tackled well as well. So, generally speaking, I thought defensively it was a good it was a good job. I mean, Fulham only generated 1.7 XG, you think it only, but like Melier, give them one of that. Take Melier away, and they've generated 0. 0.7, 0. 0.6 of, of XG, something like that, from you know, and nothing major. You know, a couple of set pieces. You know, like a set piece they hit the crossbar, a set piece later on that Melier saved. I can't think of much else. So yeah, yeah. I think shape wise, it was good. That's the big positive to take away from this. I think you know that that feels like the best defense we can put out right now. Or it feels like it anyway. Um, I mean, the question around did Fulham do enough to ask the right questions no I don't think they did but I'm not sure we allowed them generally in open play I mean we didn't let them get behind at any point you know we weren't dragged out of position too bad by their wingers coming in field better teams could well find faults in that defence but you know I don't think Fulham could and I think credit to Leeds the Leeds back line and Rocker and McKenney to some extent for, for being stable yeah and especially when you come off two games where you've conceded five to Palace six to Liverpool to sort of put up and a fairly positive performance yeah all, all things told is at least a step in the right direction from where we were, even if um, other aspects of the game weren't great. Yeah. Uh, but um, Martin, I'm going to come to you on this one where I just want to talk about um, Cooper and Werber a bit more because there was a lot of call from fans for Werber to come back in. And for once, Leeds lost a game and Liam Cooper seems to have come away with some credit. So uh, <laughs> what did you make of their two performances? Uh, yeah, I was absolutely delighted um, that Cooper had a good game. Um, it's been a long time since he's played any football. Um, I can't remember when, when it last will have been. It's been quite some time, right? So uh, yeah. I was quite happy that he came in and looked quite assured. Um, I, I, I think not only in um, out of possession, but also on the ball, he was also good, which was good to see. But we'll come on to the on the ball stuff later. And Verb as well was pretty solid in the left back role, which was apparently apparently what we signed him for. But 
I digress. And even even Rasmus Christensen, um, I know we, we, this wasn't what this question was about, but I, I felt like he was reasonably okay for most of the time out of possession. Um, he wasn't dribbling. I know William gave him a tough time, but he did manage to stop him quite a few times from, from getting past him. Just those couple of occasions, which... He didn't, but yeah, I think overall the the, the defense looked a lot more solid. Like Dan was saying, they um, didn't let anyone behind them very often. Just the, the ones for, for the goals, but then the major reason why why the goals went in was probably be Melier. But we'll have a quick chat on him later as well on that. And I, just, I, th- I think I'm, I was happy with it considering, like you said, the amount of goals that we've conceded in the past couple of games. I think a lot of people were maybe expecting us to probably do the same thing as soon as one goal went in another four would go in but there wasn't really a head loss in the same way that, that I felt in the, in the in the previous games that we didn't lose all, all shape as soon as those things happened we didn't suddenly go more aggressive It's which was good so I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah I'm overall happy with the way everyone performed defensively at least Some positives to take away from the defence then um, but a place where there's not any positive well there weren't many positives to take from was the attack so the next question, and I'll come to you on this, Martin. So we struggled with our uh, on-ball play in the first half. And what would you have put this down to? I think there was quite a few issues which we had. Um, I think probably the number, number one for me was McKenney and his positioning. I felt that he was getting too high most of the time. And at times he was playing alongside um Rodrigo, it was very high in, in certain aspects. And in the first half, he only, I think he completed three passes. That's because people couldn't find him. He was, he was too far away from, from the rest of the team. I'm not sure if that was something he was told to do, um, to try to give an extra body up front, but it didn't seem to work, whatever it was. He wasn't doing it quite as much in the, in the second half, so he did complete more than three. Well done, well done. Um, but yeah, the, I think that was one, one of the big things. But also, we were trying to force attack too much. We were trying to go along at times when we maybe didn't need to, and a bit more pause on the ball would have helped to get a bit more out of that. Just don't rush it all the time. <laughs> I'm guessing that's one of the things recently with how bad we've been doing, and people uh, maybe not taking the extra second that they maybe need to think about if this is the right ball and just just hitting it straight away, and that it just didn't look good. We just weren't able to get a hold on things. I do think we have to give Fulham some credit, though, because uh, they were pretty good um, out of possession. They were quick to get into into midfielders when we were in the more advanced areas. I think our build-up was, was okay, like in like the deep, deep build-up. Um, I, I liked what we were doing earlier in, in the game when um, Melier was being used in the middle of a free build-up structure. I felt that was good and something we haven't often seen. Um, but it was further up the field where the problems were, and we just couldn't turn that good, deep build-up into anything real getting into their half. And I think that is because of the way the way McKenney was positioned. There was no real assistance to Rocker. Rocker was responsible for most of the play from, from deeper areas in the midfield area. And we couldn't really get Somerville on the ball enough as well, I felt. Um, he was probably our best person on the ball, and he was constantly making things happen, but we just couldn't get the ball to him often enough to let him really impact the game. Um, so, yeah, there's a few things, but I think the overriding thing for me was, was McKenney. Yeah, the... Um... The, the point you made on Melier um, in the deep build-up, that was actually something I, I noticed when I was there. Um, it was weird, though, because like, a lot of fans were complaining that he was actually sitting on the standing on the ball too long. And I was like, this, this is quite nice for a change, so let's, let's not knock it. But Dan, 
Um, we had a, a sort of a question from Brad Brad Stead or Brad Steed as well, which is quite a good follow up to this one. So he asked, "How much of our poor build up um, slash in possession plays down to individuals or a consequence of the system?" And it was, I was kind of going to use this as a link to the previous question because we've seen it quite a lot with Gracia that the he's either he can do the, def- the set up to defend or he can set up to attack, and it's like we can't do both. It seems, and it feel, felt like on Saturday that we did set up to defend and we did a f- pretty good job overall but that then kind of sacrificed our attacking play which we've seen in recent games so what what would you, what do you think on that one yeah i absolutely think that's a, a, a factor so yeah we 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 had obviously quite a defensive not a particularly adventurous fullback setup and rocker was asked to i think stay back and shield and provide that kind of normal shield and it just essentially meant that we had two disconnected fives really didn't we in in, in play you know, yeah. we had, you know, Rocker, uh, sorry, McKenney joining um, Aronson and Rodrigo almost as <laughs> like a central three, and then two isolated wingers, and and it just yeah, it, I think that was that's a factor in terms of the the possession, the build up, and but it also meant that when Fulham uh, when Fulham did break on us, we had five people back, we had we had you know three guys centrally, full backs who were fairly good at kind of slowing the play down. So yeah, Gracia just can't get the balance right, can he? That's that's the big problem, uh, and and. And I think it's to do with the it's probably to do with the personnel, isn't it, available to him? Really, would be my answer. Yeah, that that kind of leads us quite nicely into our next question, actually, because um, we've had quite a few questions about changing our midfield structure to um, to a three rather than a two, um, which the two we've been seeing. So, and we've talked about this quite a lot on recent pods. So, I'll come back to you on this, Martin. Um, do you think moving to a three should be in uh, Grassy's consideration, considering that it seems like the system doesn't seem to work with the personnel he's got, and he doesn't have the options available in to do that without uh, with Adams injured. Yeah, I do think it is something which he should be considering um, because a lot of our problems have been connecting the deeper areas to the midfield and more advanced areas from, the, from there on. And I think if we would would have had more bodies in, in deeper areas to build up more slower than what, what we were doing, I think it would really have helped to especially get out of the way full and pressing because we didn't have that extra man there. We didn't have a, the that extra out ball that we've had. And I do think some of our players would maybe suit um, a, a free structure rather than a two. Um, I know we don't really have anyone who is a classic six to sit as the sole pivot in there. So you could maybe do something like like a flat three ra- ra- rather than having um, just the, the one man behind two. You could have like a flat midfield three, so you've got all three of them there. So it, it would be able to create some more triangles in, in deeper areas as well. It would help with build-up. And I think that is something which would get the best out of some of the players which we've got, um, most especially um, Western McKenney. I think that's one that is probably his best role is with more of a box to box player rather than a, just a, a standard deeper area midfielder. And if we would have to have a flat, a free midfield, it would mean that we'd still have two, two players back deep, so he would, would be able to get a bit further forward, and we'd be able to maybe find him better because we'd be able to press the ball easier we've got those, those three players there. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think it definitely would help. Um, whether Gracia will do it or not, I don't know, because I don't think it's really something he's ever done um, for, for in previous places that he's managed. But I'd, hope, I'd like to see it. It w- would help out a lot, I think. How would you do that, Martin, out of interest? like Would you sort of drop someone from further up or would you just change the shape completely? Like, what... what just more like on a system level rather than a personnel level, how would you actually envision that happening? I would just prefer to drop someone out from the advanced line, uh, especially when we are playing more, more passively, because um, having that extra person in the forward press doesn't really do anything when you've got, um, the, when you're not pressing high. And 
you could also always move one of the people from midfield to help in the press in in certain stages and then drop them back into into midfield when the ball presses to a certain level. And I, I think regards to the actual, I know you didn't say it, you said more about the structure than the players, but I think that Farshaw would be great for the, for this kind of role, especially because he's one of the few players we've got who can look after the ball well and help us keep hold of it. And we need that at the moment. It's not something which anyone can seem to do at the moment. <laughs> it's been pretty dire. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, I, I, I agree. Like Farshaw would probably be the option you go for if you're going to do that. But like part of me thinks that, and what you, similar to what you said, is like if we, if you need someone that's going to press if you want to have the option to press high but also you can have the option to drop in I know it probably doesn't bring the best out of Aronson but I think it's like it's just a small change that I think could potentially work just to like give us a bit more cover in those midfielders area but like if you if the passes if the press is as passive as it has been in re- recent games then I think if you want to do it in situationally you could press high with him pushing into a two but most of the time keep him in a three because if you want to play him um, but Dan sort of yeah, whilst whilst like we'd all probably agree that a free is the best option is like apart from like Forshaw who I imagine probably hasn't got ninety minutes in or adapting Aronson, there's all like a lot of play people have called for youth players to play, so what would you make on that one? No, uh, I wouldn't really. I just think it's too much of a pressured situation. It's just it's not really fair dropping those young players in. I mean, maybe for the odd five minute stint just to see you know, to help freshen legs legs up at the end, but no, I'd I'd be wary. Um you know, you wonder about the damage you could do to a youth player making you know a big error in a big really important game <laughs> at this stage so no I, w- I wouldn't do that I would, I would stick to I would try and get what we can out for sure I'd stick with McKenney you know we don't have a lot, a lot of better options there really I'd, I'd, I mean I don't want to do, say this but I'd perhaps even use one of the centre-backs in midfield I know it's not ideal but before before playing young guys what about Stuart Dallas <laughs> what on one leg <laughs> on a scooter <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, I mean, if fit, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely fit. But he's just noisy. So, I mean, just no, just I mean, just just going back to just to sort of back up Martin's point on the on the previous answer. Something. I mean, I would I would use Forshaw and get what we can out of him. You know, hopefully we could get an hour out of him. You know, in the next game or the next couple of games. Uh, I think one of the benefits of perhaps taking Aronson out of the the front line, so making it more of a four three three shape, is the, the way we use. Um, Bamford and Aronson is kind of like to fold over on the opposition defence and try and push them to one side or the other. I don't necessarily think you need two players for that. So I'm sure Bamford could do that. The kind of shepherding job, you know, pushing pushing them over to one side or the other, and then then the rest of the team can kind of fold over onto the touchline and press them. And another benefit of a flat midfield free is that we could perhaps pick a more attacking fullback, at least one of them, and you know that maybe gets some combination on the wing. So there might be some upside in different areas by having a more hardworking. You know, orthodox mid, flat midfield free. We could possibly bring Alien back in or Firpo in instead of Wober, Wober and have more attacking upside and build up upside through that. So that's just a thought, really. Yeah, so, yeah. That sounds good to me. Um, I'll move on to the next question then. So, um, Dan, I, I realise we had a lengthy discussion. Well, you guys had a lengthy discussion about Melier on the last pod, but I think it's probably something that needs to be brought up again following his um, involvement in the last in the two goals on Saturday. So, how much blame would you put his door for those two goals? Uh, I mean, my, my initial instinct was one a little bit, but he's, he's a bit unlucky there. Uh, the way it's fought, fell. The second one, near, near enough, all entirely his fault, <laughs> was my initial feeling. So, just to explain, the, the, the first one, obviously he's, he's extending, isn't he? And he's trying to get a hand to it because I think he's worried about Wilson running down the outside of Woba. So, Woba's left. 
And if he leaves it, he's probably worried about that. Whether he would get there or not, I don't know. But he's worried about that. So he's trying to get a hand, isn't he? And trying to pull it behind Wilson, I think. But he fails yeah. to do that. But it's really, really, I mean, just the extension, the, the complete, you know, the way he's extending and trying to get a hand to it, it's really, really hard to get a powerful hand, I think, at that range. So, and it just falls to Wilson. And then Wilson, it's, it's a fantastic finish as well. You know, you know that happens again and he probably doesn't put that away. It's, it's kind of, so I think there's an element of bad luck there. But I still think, you know, there might be some keepers that might get a stronger hand to it, might pour it through everywhere, I don't know. So, a little bit of bad luck, but it still is probably on him. I don't think there's there's anyone else that's really at fault in terms of leads. For the second one, it's, it's, it's again, it's a strong hand, isn't it? So, the, the ball's so the ball's coming across. It's across from Melia's right, so the, the Fulham left. And and um, Bobby Decada over Reed, I can't say, is, is, is dashing towards the near post, isn't he? And he's kind of he's kind of putting Melier off a little bit, I think. And Melier's obviously worried about his near post, or, or Bobby Decada over Reed uh, clipping the ball in from the near post. So he's obviously hanging back. The ball kind of it kind of it crosses it crosses, and it kind of it's kind of swerving in field a little bit, isn't it? And, and Melier has to kind of react late and just pop. He just kind of palms his hand out, doesn't he, and just pulls it out in front of um, Pereira. I think it was who scored. My my big criticism is the strength of the hand. He should be getting a stronger hand out. You know, it kind of just sort of fails tamely, doesn't it, to his left, where I think a more informer, a keeper with faster reflexes, might get a stronger hand and it might just it might just go out straight in front of him and um, you know and, and go away to safety. So I think the first one is a bit unlucky. The second one, I just think it's it's an ability thing. I think he needs to get there faster, and I think he needs to get a stronger hand to it. And, and yeah, he's at fault. Yeah, that the first one I kind of have a bit of sympathy for. Yeah. Um, I was because. My dad, when I got home on Saturday night, he was like, oh, he should have done this. He should have put it over the bar. And I, I like, because it was the far end of the ground from me, so I didn't see it. And then I looked at it back and I was like, You'd I, have to I think his wrist. very harsh. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I I don't think I could move my wrist like that. Um, so I think it was, I think he was just like a bit unlucky. I can see why it's his fault, but I, don't, I have a bit of sympathy for him. I can see what he was trying to do. The second one, I don't have a lot of sympathy for, like you. Um, it's... Yeah, a part of it as well as I think he's just a guy. It's a guy that's clearly so low on confidence. He's kind of doubting himself, and it's probably those split second things is making the difference at the moment. And he's just compounding what's currently going wrong for him as well. Um, so yeah, it's a bit, bit, it's a difficult one really. But Martin, what, what are your thoughts on Melier's game on Saturday? Um, I, I, I towards what Dan was saying that um, I think he could have done better with the the first one. Um, I think that's the, the worst one for me because. Um, I think he should, I'm not sure what the communication was, who was shouting for what, um, but you'd assume someone would have shouted. <laughs> you'd hope so anyway, in those sort of situations that someone would have said, this is mine, leave it or whatever. And we don't know if that, if that happened or not, but, um, I think it's either, if he's going to go for it, he needs to get a strong hand on it to push it further away. And on, on the second one, I feel it was a bit unluckier because the ball was fizzed in with such pace. Yeah, he could have got a stronger hand on it and knocked it further away, but I, I feel he did did reasonably well with that and just got felt very unlucky. That's that's my view of it. But I also think for both of the goals, the player who scored was unmarked. If you if if you watch it back, um, there's there's no one keeps an eye on, on either of the players. Um, just before in the f- first goal, um, Harrison was quite close to the scorer. He was quite close to Wilson as was both moving towards the box, and then he just sort of left him. And he was just allowed to, to go into the box and get beyond there. everyone else. That the same thing that we've had under Marsh, where he had to got a man on the far post, totally unmarked. And that's what happened with that one. 
and then with the second one, it was Rocker who had a he sort of lost out on the duel with Pereira earlier in the move. He, he tried to tackle him, but Pereira managed to get, get the ball off to the left, and then obviously he made his way into the box and scored. But Rocker didn't track him; he was drawn towards the ball side, and he didn't need to be drawn towards the ball side there because there was plenty of people already near there. There was Christensen who was with um, Robinson. There was Somerville close by. There was McKenney close by. So there's plenty of people ball side. I don't think he needed to head that way. I think he should have followed the run of Pereira because he was just wandering to the box. No one knew he was coming but him because he was right there with him heading towards the box at the same time. So he knew he was there and decided to go ball side instead. So I still think you need to put some towards Rocker there. Um, that, Danny, wants to add something there? No, I was just going to say, do you know what's really, really frustrating about this and, and the whole Melier discourse is is that he actually made two great saves in the game as well, didn't he? One after those two, yeah. two mistakes. Yeah. I mean, the first one was offside, but he didn't know that when he made the save. And then that one from the free kick where he hit the post and then got up and poured it away, that was, that was great goalkeeping. And his distribution was good. So he's all you know, two moments of underlying what otherwise was a pretty good display from him. And it's, it's kind of frustrating, isn't it? That, you know, you know, there's a good keeper there um, and you want him to succeed. Um, uh, and it feels like, you know, the kind of the fan base is turning a little bit on him and, and I kind of don't want that. But yeah, what can we do? I've just got another follow up to this one. And I feel like I know your answer to this one, Dan, from your previous um, answer. But would you go with Rob Les now or would you stick with Melier still? <sighs> I'm prob I'm probably still in the stick with Melier camp, but I'm not gonna if if there is a swap, I'm not gonna I would understand it and 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 I wouldn't kick up a stink. I mean, the decision's got to be made about his mental state, hasn't it? Really, and I don't know what that is. You know, um, if you feel like he's, you know, my natural instinct is to say, right, stick with the guy, let him work through his issues, let him let him come out come out the other side. That's my natural instinct. If if people close to him feel like he really needs a break, he just needs a clean break and just to clear his head then do that. It's, it's, decisions have got to be around his mental state and I can't answer that. So my instinct will be to say stick with him but, you know, I'm not going to be able to fussed if they don't. What about you, Martin? Pretty much the same as Dan, to be honest. I, I would like them to see, to try to work through his issues that he's got but if they were to say, say we're going to give you a break for a few games, um, can see that, that he's struggling and bringing Rob Les for that and I, would, I wouldn't be arguing too much about it because it's clear that he is going through something at the moment similar to a lot of players in the team I'm sure and it's got to be a lot on on the young guy's shoulders (laughs) the fans are pretty unforgiving which is understandable in the situation that we find ourselves in that fans are pretty angry (laughs) about certain things and I get that Um, yeah so pretty much same time yeah it is a difficult one to answer My, my only thought is though like if something then happened on to, well tomorrow night uh, recording on Monday that it was his fault again in a home game I just think it could go really badly wrong so I'm almost inclined to play Robles on that reason but that seems a pretty weak reason to me um, so yeah it's a difficult one and like you say pe- people close to him will know better than we do I don't think that's a bad reason actually you know if that's the reason given I think that's a solid reason yeah yeah. I think, yeah. I think if, we're, if we were away at Leicester I'd probably be more inclined to yeah. stick with him but home I think I just think yeah. any player that's like, especially like the, the ones that have been singled out at the moment, like Melier and McKenney, if they do anything wrong tomorrow night, I just yeah. pray for them. So uh, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's a boring situation. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll move on to the final question of the interrogation. So this comes from our good friend Tom Woodhead, and he says, "Why does Gracia refuse to play Nonto? If it's something to do with defensive contribution, then why is he fine with playing Sinistera, who appears to be to the naked eye?" a less willing and able defender. So, Martin, do you want to go on this one? Yeah. Um, regarding that, 
the defensive contributions, I think they're probably pretty equal, um, at least to my eyes anyway. I haven't noticed any other than being better pressers than, than the other. They both seem capable of doing the job that they need, need to do in wide areas and in, in, in other tracking back when they need to. I'm not sure why he's refusing to spend on two in all honesty. It's, it's a bit baffling because he was so good <laughs> before he, he got injured. Um, my only in- inclination is that maybe he's not showing the same levels in training as what the other guys are. And if he's the sort of coach who puts emphasis on um, training performances, then that's maybe you can understand it. That's my only thing thing I can think of why he would, would be choosing it because Nanto has been great. We all love him and we all want to see more of him. Sinister has been great as well, don't get me wrong. And both of them are fantastic players and I'm, gl- I'm glad to see either of them on the pitch. But I would like to see some more time for Nanto because he's pretty unique in the things that he offers and I would like to see more. So no, I don't, I don't know. Is my, is my ultimate answer, but ho- hopefully we'll see him soon. Um, Sinister has played a bit in the, in the weekend's game, and it's a bit, bit of a short turnaround. So who knows? We, we may see some more Willie. Dan, well, I think since Grass is coming, he's, he's tended to play two workers, hasn't he? So basically, Harrison and, and Aronson in the in the forward line, and one one fun player. We can, we can only have so much fun. Um, and I would say since he's come in, Sinister has been the better player than Nanto, and Somerville's probably been better than Nanto, um, probably because of the injury. But I just think it's as simple as that. I wonder if he's just, you know, I mean, Sinister has been our best attacker in Grassy's period, probably. Yeah. I'd agree. Yeah. yeah, maybe Harrison, but you know, yeah, I was going to say Harrison probably the chipped one. in with some goals, but yeah, you know, so it's probably. I mean, non-term and sinister defensively, not much between them. I think that's fair, fair comment from Tom on the questionnaire. But yeah, I just think it's just form and fitness. I'd say. Yeah, I think um, I was listening to the Phil Hay show of well, like Friday, Saturday, and it's like the, I think it was um, I can't remember who it was who said it. Who just said that like in these sort of situations, you want individuals who are going to get you out, like Rafinha did last year. And yep. to me, it just feels like Nonto is one of those players, and Sinistera probably is one of those players as well. So yep. I can get like the more defensive of Aronson, but I just think that if you've got a player with that individual ability that can get you out of these situations, I would be playing him. I would be probably playing both of them, and I would definitely be playing him more than I currently am. So there is aspects of it I can get, like the reasons you guys gave uh, gave um, that made sense to me but um yes bit of bit of a weird one considering how individually good he is and how much he has saved us uh, this season dan did you have something else on that or did you yeah i was gonna say one thing i mean nantes played on the right hand side what two three times away at everton and he came on the, on the right hand side maybe another time i don't think he's very good on the right is he no. his angles are all wrong um off the left, perhaps in the through the through the middle, and it's that's pretty much true of Sinister, isn't it? So there's an element of that, I think. Um, you know, if you want to fit them both in, where do you put? I mean, you, you play Nanto at ten, don't you, and drop Aronson and, and play Sinister on the left if you want to play them both. And you know, I want to see that because they're our best two attackers, our most fun fun attackers. But I just don't think Grassy thinks that way, does he? He wants he wants a worker in there. So yeah, and we did spend one question saying why we want a three man midfield, so we can't have it all. Um, <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, that is the end of the interrogation then, and we can all forget about that woeful Legion United performance until the next one. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So we will move on to the preview of the, the what has turned out to be the very important Leicester game tomorrow night. So... We will start with the usual and ask one of you guys to explain how Leicester have been playing under Dean Smith. So, who wants to go on this one? I don't mind going. Um, yeah, yeah, they've been going with a four-two-three-one structure, which I think is pretty similar to what they was playing under um, Rogers. I believe. I think he sometimes mixed it up with a four-three-three, four-two-three-one, and the. The quite pre- there was quite pressing in the game I watched actually. I, I only watched the one game and that was the game against Wolves. Um, and I felt that the, that they were quite pressing m- most of the time in that game. Uh, they did fall back into uh, mid block and it was quite an effective press that I saw from them. Uh, so the four man high press um, with the attacking midfielder, which was Hinacho, sometimes making the shape more like a four two four kind of thing. Um, they were pretty good at limiting space for attackers when they did drop back into the mid-block as well, which was is going to be fun for us to break through, I'm sure. And regards to on the ball, uh, they mainly, I think, I think the half that I watched were broken up. The first half, there was pretty counter-attacking, but they, tend, they got on the ball a bit more in the, in the second half. And they were quite good. I, I saw they really made, made Wolves work hard. And I like some of the interchanges I had going between uh, the who was it on the right mid of I think it wasn't Tete it was oh, yeah it was Tete yeah it was Tete and actually they were interchanging quite well and that was quite a dangerous area for, for them um, it was the right hand side so I think whoever's playing at left back may have a fun game um, both full backs can also get forward to help an attack um, for their second goal the left back assisted and the right back scored so <laughs> we got, I think that's going to be fun for us maybe if they do decide to do the same obviously this was a home game for Leicester so they probably, probably won't be as open um, at Elland Road so yeah I think they were, they were reasonably good because they how bad they've been recently um, I thought Dan do you see anything different? Well no no, no I, I'm agreeing with what you're saying one thing I noticed was I mean Wolves were pretty dominant until they got the penalty Leicester got the penalty didn't they probably against yeah. front of play um, and then it kind of evened up. And then just after the half time, they brought um, Dewsbury Hall on for Vardy and Inacho went up front. And they kind of went a bit more 4 3 3 didn't they? A little bit. Yeah. And Tillemans yeah. kind of became an eight, but more withdrawn eight in Dewsbury Hall, a more advanced eight. And I thought the pressing really improved when Vardy went off and Inacho was up front and Dewsbury Hall added loads of energy. So I thought the pressing game was a big factor in their improvement second half. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah. I That's would. how I saw it. Yeah. I would. Yeah. And, and, then, and then later on, Tillemans came off. Who had. Be a mixed game to be honest. He gave, I mean, he gave the ball away for the yeah. goal, goal, didn't he? It was pretty um, average. And then, 
Yeah, yeah, and then Ndidi came on, and they went back four two three one, and Ndidi and Samaria, I think it was, sat in the double pivot, and Dewsbury Hall kind of became the ten. But the intensity remained, didn't it, with that? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they were quite intense. I thought, yeah, I'm, yeah, like you, I thought they were when the the intensity they were pretty good. I agree. How would how would you expect them to approach this game um, then, Dan? Because uh, Martin suggested about the the way they played at home, um, and they wouldn't expect, say see the same thing at Ellen Road. So what would you make on that? Well. I mean, I watched the, the Wolves game. I watched the, I watched the Man City game, which is not comparable to leading the slightest for Leicester. Why not? We we play like Man City sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> We're a northern city, and that's about it. Um, they, they played like a four, four um, a three four two one kind of formation with kind of Jewsbury Hall and um, Madison as kind of narrow tens behind behind um, Vardy, I think, at Man City, and that worked really well. Actually, I was quite impressed with them in that game. I know Man City set off once had a big lead, but there was enough there, I guess, to give them some encouragement for the Wolves game, which obviously they carried in, I think. Um, and it just made me wonder if Dewsbury Hall and Madison are fit, if they'll go back for that shape for an away game. I don't know. I'm, I'm saying they probably won't. They'll probably stick to the 4 3 3 4 2 3 1, but it's just something to ponder. Now, if Dewsbury Hall and Madison are fit, which we think they will be, you know, does perhaps Madison or Dewsbury Hall get a game in the wing? Or do they bring in Harvey Barnes for their guaranteed Harvey Barnes goal? <laughs> I, really, I really don't know. It's, it's a tough one. Uh, I. If I was a Leicester fan, I also would hope they would leave Vardy on the bench because I think they were way, way better without Vardy and in actual front. The press better. Um, I think the, the, the combination of Lincoln play was better. The only thing Vardy's obviously, Vardy's retained, you know, obviously he's just looking after himself because he's an older guy and all that kind of stuff. The only thing is Vardy's going to be clinical on the counter, isn't he? That's the only thing to worry about. But that's, um, so yeah, it's, it's a funny, it's, it's, I'm really not completely sure how they're going to approach this game. Um, Possibly we might see pockets of energy and aggression from them, but not not pressing like the whole time like they did against. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to call, isn't it? Considering they've had so so few few games under a new management management team. Um, Martin, would you would you agree with that, or would you would you see it differently? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think they'll do make too many changes. Like, I think most likely changes that maybe won't be as high pressy, but I actually think they should. I think we would probably struggle yeah. quite a lot with that press. Yeah. It just depends how how brave they are, and they may see us being quite vulnerable at the moment. We're having a bad spell, so we could. Uh, it is very possible that, that that Dean Smith decides to throw the game at us and try to get an early goal and intimidate us a bit with their press because it was very very hard to get out of when they, they were going more aggressive with it. So yeah, uh, it's, it's, anything's possible. It's, it's so few games into Smith's tenure. At, Leicester, so we'll have to see tomorrow what happens. Yeah. Um, in which case, then we'll start looking a bit more at the Leeds lineup. So, Martin, I'll stay with you. Can you see any changes in structure and play style for this one? Um, play style? No. I'd, I think we'll probably stick to similar to what, what we did at the weekend. I think it will probably be a pretty pressy game from us. Um, I think Leicester can be vulnerable to a press, and uh, that was demonstrated by Wolf's goal. Um, Ball was robbed off uh, Tielemans um, quite easily, actually. He just <laughs> took well too long on the ball and was, was robbed. So, uh, But that was a pretty hefty mistake from a good player. So we may not be able to rely on such errors again, but we'll see. But yeah, I would like to see us pressing them. I do think that would be a good, good route for us. And structure, I don't think it'll be any different. I think it will still be the same shape that we've seen from Grazia. I don't think he's likely to want to opt away from that 4-4-2 mid-block that he likes. I think that's what it's going to be again. Um, Personnel-wise, we could see some changes. Um, He was quite drastic in the changes. 
following the last game, so who knows what we'll see. I think it may depend on who's fit as well. I think you mentioned that there were some people who didn't train, so I'm not sure. He is, as usual, very vague in his presser about who was fit and who was playing and whatnot, so it could be anyone who didn't train. <laughs> we could see anyone. We could see Rasmus Christensen back in midfield for all we know. Um, it could be. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, uh, I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. Um, but yeah, I would like to see Nonto start over Aronson. Um, I, felt, I feel like Aronson, although he's been good out of possession, he's just been offering too little on the ball to really justify keeping him in the, in the side now. Um, he just... It's just so frustrating. It's so similar to the way Jack Harrison played when he first started, started in my opinion. Um, just keeps hold of the ball too, too long, doesn't know when to release it. And I just have one moment again. And I know we've, we've finished talking about the previous game, but where he, did, he managed to outmuscle Palhinia and then got through and then just looked lost. And I know that he didn't have too much support, but he, he could have played the ball backwards if he tried. He just held on too long, but yeah. I would like to see a change in that, but I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I wouldn't even argue that Aronson's off-ball stuff makes up for how terrible he is on the ball. Um, so yeah, I would like to make not some in changes. This, not in this system. No, definitely yeah. not. Um, I think as well with short turnarounds so or Saturday to Tuesday, I don't think we'll see like it's just what recovery day, pre-match day, game day won't be any training. So I doubt we'll see a change in system. But yeah, it might be personnel or anything. So in that case, Dan. Can you hazard a guess at a lineup for us, or do you think it'll be the same um, as it was um, before? I think, I mean, in approach, it'll be much the same. Yeah, I think that's that's, that's true. Um, my, I mean, the back line's going to keep this. It's going to keep the same if the back line's able to play because I think it did work. Um, if I think he hinted at in his present his press conference today that Melier is going to stay, and I think he kind of made that hint, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so the only the only change I think that's screaming out that he might make is Bamford for Rodrigo. I think, you know, we got a bit more upside when Bamford came on late in the game, didn't we? A little bit more presence up front. Um, Bamford definitely gives us that. So I wouldn't be shocked and I would hope he would bring Bamford in if Bamford's fit enough to start up front. And then it's just a case of which wingers. Somerville did okay on Saturday, so I'll probably stick with him personally. I'd swap Harrison out for one of Sinistero or Nonto, but, you know, I don't see him doing that personally. Yeah, yeah, I'd mostly agree with that. Um, In that case then, so where, where do you think we can hurt them then, Dan? Well, the Leicester, so the the, the build up quite nicely. They've got some really quite nice patterns of play and play some really nice stuff through the thirds. But they do have sloppy moments. I mean, I'm looking through my notes now, and it was like Telemann sloppy, Telemann sloppy again. Telemann, I wrote that down a few times. I think we can get at him the way he's playing at the moment. Maybe it was just an off day, but I just you know he's been having a poor season. I wonder if we can get at Telemann's. We can get at like indeed in Simeira. I wonder if we can counter press uh, Wolves won the ball on the halfway line quite a lot, particularly the first half, and really looked dangerous and yeah. really drove directly at. Um, at Leicester, so I think we can do them get get at them in that respect. I think the full backs at Leicester are also quite aggressive. A young young left back called Christensen, who I quite like the look of. He looked quite good, but he's young and, and quite you know adventurous, so he will leave space. Um, Castagna is the right back, I think. Yeah, again, he was, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, more of an attacking right back, more of a wing back really. So again, pushing on the centre backs, um, quite. I don't know. Flaky. I don't know if that's the right phrase, though. I think Bamford might have joy, you know, um, against those centre backs. He might be able to kind of dominate them a little bit. Where he, so I wonder if perhaps we might have some joy by being really aggressive in the midfield and maybe playing fairly direct to Bamford. He might be able to get some upside over them. So maybe that's 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 how I'd hope we yeah. play it. it. Sounds like there's more places we can get them than we have said in recent matches. Then so a little some positives to take there. Um, Martin, how do you see this game playing out? Um, 
I would like to say it'd be pretty even possession-wise. I think, I think it could end up, I don't like the term, but it turned into a bit of a basketball game. I think we'll see quite a lot of transitional attacks, both teams being sloppy, um, giving away moments where the opponent can break and do damage. Uh, I think it's going to be a messy game, chaotic, um, if, if, if Leicester decide to attack it in the same way they did Wolves, which if I was them, I probably would. Um, so, yeah, that's the best I can say, really. I, th- I think it will... I think there'll be a goal relatively early, I think, because I think there'll be a few mistakes from both sides. So hopefully that is us who gets the first goal. Yeah, I, th- I think when you ask this, when I ask this question, it's like, for me, it's there's two ways it plays out and it depends who scores first because it just seems so important. Um, I think we'll either crumble or if we can get a goal, I think we're probably more like to sit in and hopefully we can try and sort of contain and control them, which I'm not. I feel I've a little bit optimistic about, but I think it would be a good approach because, like you've both said, I think they are there to be pressed and a bit got at a bit. Um, but yeah, that first goal feels important to me. So, Dan, where would you see this game being won and lost? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've given you all a bit too much hope here. Leicester were pretty good, actually. I was quite impressed with them <laughs> in my response. I think some of their attacking plays is, was quite good. Some of the combinations, um, some really nice moves with the wingers moving off the line, dragging fullbacks infield against Wolves and centre-backs feeding the, the fullbacks on third-man runs. You know, the sort of automations we don't see in our team anymore. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's some really sharp attacking and build-up play from Leicester. So I think they will cause us trouble. I think they might drag... They'll probably do a better job than Fulham did of dragging our back line around a bit more. We might say that back line, if it's picked, will probably get a stiffer examination from Leicester, I think. Similar kind of vibes. Um, I was getting similar vibes to the kind of post-Roy Palace, really, um, from this Leicester. You know, Dean Smith... Seeming to get fairly similar kind of reaction from them, um, so I think yeah, it's, it's a tough, it's a tougher challenge than it might have been two, three weeks ago when Rogers was still there. Well, certainly is, I think, from what I've seen. Um, but like I say, if we can really be aggressive and really hurt them in key moments, we've got a chance. We've got a fighting chance. Um, it's going to be goals. It's, it's going to be both teams going to score. I think. You know, yeah. And which team scores more than once might win. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mastermind. <laughs> uh, Martin, you agree with that? Anything different? No, I can't add anything really to that. Um, I think it will just vary as to whose individuals are better as well. I think that will be quite key for us um, if we can get our best players on the ball and get them to do what they do best. I think that will be where we'll win the game. And I think Leicester, if they can manage to stop that and also get their best players in the game, and probably also if they play Harvey Barnes, um, because he's always guaranteed a goal at Island Road. It's gonna happen. It's just—it's like Thanos. It's inevitable. It's, there's, there's no defeat in it. No, no, no defeat in it. It's impossible. But yes, um, it's going to be. I think it's going to for neutral Leeds. I think it's going to be, be a very fun game to watch. Um, pro- probably not for Leeds fans. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's. I think that's been the case for a lot of Leeds games over the last three years. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. 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 It has. Um, but yeah, I think that brings us to the end of the running order. So that. For me, means we're done. Uh, unless anyone else has got anything they need to add, no. Nope. Great chaps. Nope. <laughs> Nothing. Um, good stuff. Then, in which case, I will wrap up. So we will be back later in the week if we can assemble a team together to talk about the game. But until then, I will say thank you to Dan. Cheers, mate. A pleasure. No worries. And thank you to Martin. Glad to see. There you go. And we will. S- <laughs> I'm actually impressed with myself there. And um, thank you all, to, um, for, all for listening, and we will see you in the later of the week. Bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.